from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus again, in reply, spoke to the chief priests and elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. A second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their cities. Then he said to his servants, the feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike. And the hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to meet the guest, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, my friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. Just a quick introduction. I'm Deacon Dan Rosen rarely here on weekends, but uh, here every day during the week. I've been at St. Dominic's a little longer than Father Michael and been a deacon for about 33 years and lived three quarters of a century. I had read over the Sunday readings before watching the news unfold this past week, and I suddenly thought to myself, you know, has God turned off his TV? He's not seeing any of this. Is Isaiah blind? to the world events going on in the Holy Land. And then I realized that even though Isaiah lived almost 3,000 years ago, he preached his message of hope and salvation in the face of the destruction of Judah and the captivity of the people in a foreign land. So perhaps he has something to say today. I wish I was as hopeful as Isaiah as I continue to watch events unfold, but I probably don't have his level of faith or his 
connection to God. Do these readings today bring words of hope to such a troubled world? On this mountain, God will destroy the veil that veils all peoples, the web that is woven over all nations. He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face. Big job, I think, today. For how many tears have been shed over senseless deaths and deaths of children? How long will we refuse to see our shared humanity? How much longer will hate separate us? In Corinthians, Paul says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. <coughs> How are we called to bring that message of peace? To have the courage of the psalmist not to choose sides. To proclaim thoughts of peace and not of affliction. It's not easy, is it? Peacemakers seem to be the exception and not the rule. Gandhi, Dorothy Day, Martin Luther King Jr., Cesar Chavez come quickly to mind, but then my list runs dry. Do these words of St. Paul resonate with us? I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Can I be a peacemaker, perhaps even in my own family, because of the strength of Jesus? At the Lima Center, we offer this prayer as we begin our work of feeding the hungry. Blessed be God the Word who came to his own, and his own received him not. For in this way God glorified the stranger. O God, show us your image in all that we meet today, that we may welcome them and you. Amen. Does that prayer help us to become more enabled to welcome the stranger, perhaps. And we just heard, may the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ enlighten the eyes of our hearts. I don't know whether that image caught you. Enlighten the eyes of our hearts. What would happen if the eyes of our hearts were enlightened, if we routinely saw as Jesus sees? If beneath anger we saw a passion for justice, if beneath shyness we saw a hunger for connection, if beneath loudmouth banter we saw a prophetic truth-telling, if beneath recklessness we saw courage. To see more clearly, we need the light that is created by radiating the joy of the gospel to the heart of the city. Hmm. Have a familiar ring to it? Radiating the joy of the gospel to the heart of the city. And how do we do that? Perhaps in this way. I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I woke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. To practice this thought then, perhaps we can look for small ways to be of service throughout the day. Brother Roger, founder of the Teze Monastery in France, says this. In life's trials, little by little, we realize that the source of joy does not lie in extraordinary abilities or great expertise, but rather in the humble giving of ourselves to understand others with a kind hard-heartedness. Joy is always there lying in wait for us when simplicity is united with kind-heartedness 
in our daily lives. For us Catholics, of course, if we look at the news or read about what's going on in Rome, we know the Synod has begun. And the Dominican, Father Timothy Radcliffe, was the retreat leader for the participants in the Synod. He says, the vast majority of people who have taken part in the synodal process have been surprised by joy. For many, it's the first time the church has invited them to speak of their faith and hope. But some of us are afraid of this journey and what lies ahead. Some hope that the church will, dra be, will dra be dramatically changed, that we shall take radical decisions. For example, about the role of women in church. Others are afraid of exactly that these same changes and fear that they will only lead to division and even schism. And so what is the source of this joy? St. Paul says, my God will fully supply whatever you need in accordance with the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And so what does Jesus really supply? As we come to church, he say, we always look at our altar and see what? The way of the cross is Jesus' way, the way of humility, of surrender and sacrifice that he asks us to follow. What's challenging is to learn to cultivate joy in the face of these challenges, in the unspectacular business of discipleship, prayer, service, and solitude. Once again, joy seems to be popping up around me. When I drive home, I pass a mural that says, joy is the fuel for our collective strength. It's proudly painted on the LGBT office at Market in Laguna. That is the joy of being deeply seen and deeply known, and to have the very best that lies hidden within us called out and called forth, when one is proud to let their essence shine forth. Dream joy. And lastly, our gospel parable today. How does that help us? It's about who is invited to the heavenly banquet and who really accepts the message that God's kingdom has arrived and appears different than we expected. If we're puzzled by the end and the king singling out that individual without the garment, we miss the context. At an event like that, wedding garments would have been provided to everybody. This particular man didn't cooperate with the host and chose not to accept it. And so, as other parables in Matthew, the weeds and the wheat, the net, the wise and foolish bridesmaids, and of course, Matthew 25, the sheep and the goats. This is a parable about divine judgment, aimed at, at what or at who? A complacent community, a complacent group of elders and chief priests. Having one's wedding garment is a symbol that is parallel to having your oil lamp ready for the bridegroom. It means having fed the hungry, clothed the naked, housed the homeless, and so on, as in the vision in Matthew 25, where Jesus gives away, right, the secret of salvation. The banquet table is where Jesus shows the world who God is. And so who is welcomed at our table? Consider this. Let each one be receptive to the spirit that inspires, allowing the will to respond with action. And may all judgments and denials be released that our souls are freed to 
to serve the light with joy. And thus we recognize oneness with the divine spark dwelling within our hearts, fanning it to illuminate the way for others. 